I ain't charging you for this. <laughs> full-on estate planning seminar. A live, free, full-on estate planning seminar. And we have our seminar team here, which consists of myself, Greg McIntyre, elder law attorney. Bryn Begley, also elder law attorney. And the... Aiden Soloway. <laughs> Not an elder law attorney. But a professional audience member today. Right. And you started. have the in front of your name, too. So I know. means you're important. If well, you have any questions notorious. for us today during this seminar, if you have any questions, please give us a call. Uh, at the radio station. Uh, talk to Milton. Milton will get you into us. Milton's our engineer running the studio, obviously. The Milton. Milton, what's the uh, the number here? 435-704-435? Uh, that'd be 704-435-2844 or 482-1390 or 735-8071. So any of those phone numbers, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, give us a call. Give us a call here at the radio station. And uh, we'd be glad to field your questions. Otherwise, Hayden, you have a number of questions that you would like answered during our seminar today, don't you? Yes. Um, you did ask me to prepare some. I've done a lot of seminars with you. Right. And so uh, some of these might be less general. So the people there, if you want to get a pencil and a piece of paper and make some notes uh, you about questions you want to ask, you'll have an opportunity to do that, hopefully. And I'll ask some of the questions that I tried my best to think of that maybe you wouldn't come up until it was until after the show is over. Sure. Oh, why didn't I the ask that? Frequently asked questions at the any unfrequently seminar. ones. And if you want to see the PowerPoint slides that go along with this, the graphics that go mm-hmm. along with this, and you want to see us on the radio, go to KTC Broadcasting's Facebook page. We're live there. We've got the slides up, and you can see us on the mic. MC live okay. live person. that's right. right that's right so without further ado we're going to get into it this seminar is brought to you by McIntyre Elder Law if we are offering free consults as a bonus for being here and listening to our seminar today thank you for being here uh free consults you can take advantage of your free consult for estate planning and elder law and get your affairs in order by calling McIntyre Elder Law at 704-749-9244 that's 704 704- 704-749-9244. Just dial 1704, please. 749-9244. Or visiting us online at mcelderlaw.com slash estate planning. Okay? So, this is our Are You Ready Estate Planning Seminar. And, man, you know, when I went down this path a long time ago of just doing estate planning and elder law, I said, you know, the McIntyre Law Firm, that really doesn't scream estate planning and elder law. Plus, I'm a, I'm a sappy guy. I will take your case to do anything for nothing, generally. Like, that was my mentality, especially at the time. So, so you could convince me to do a speeding ticket, even though I was concentrating only on estate planning and elder law. And when I got out here and did these other things, it took a ton of time because I wasn't built, our firm wasn't built to do that. So I named our firm McIntyre Elder Law which elder law is a specific kind of niche, niche, niche. Uh, is it niche or niche? Niche. Niche, niche, niche. Both. It's both. <laughs> it's both. It's niche. What's a niche? Ain't nobody saying no niche. It's right. like a notch on the end. A notch. Okay. So it's a, it's, it's an area, it's a sect. It's a cult of elder law. I mean, of estate planning. Okay. <laughs> We're really getting off the rails right. today. It's a small part of estate planning. 
And uh, well, well, if, when I started out, you know, I had a, was working with this marketing person. They said nobody's going to know what an elder law is. You know, I said, okay, well, we need to tell them. I'm going to name the firm McIntyre Elder Law. And even some people, people might be offended by that. Are you offended by that, Hayden? Am I offended by? That? I don't know. No, elder law. Yeah, I'm not. Um, but my mom was. My mom said, Greg. My mother said that, right? But at least at the end of the day, you know exactly what I do. I help seniors protect their assets and legacies. And, and still, even though we named the firm McIntyre Elder Law, people come in and ask me who my partner, Mr. Elder, is all the time. <laughs> or if I'm Mr. Elder, and with a straight face, as serious as they can be, right? So, no, I am not Mr. Elder. I'm McIntyre, and we have an elder law firm, and that's all we do. And it's also as much to send a signal to, to people as to remind me and the people in our firm that that's all, only the ta- cases we take. That's only the taste that we take. Okay. <laughs> right. So helping people. There used to be a different slide here. We have the coronavirus up right now because at the time when I reworked this seminar, I was really thinking about the pandemic and what was going on. And at the beginning of this thing, we were still doing seminars. Yeah. Right. And we were really talking about that in our seminars. So, Brenton, what is the coronavirus pandemic, the situation we're in right now? What does that have to do, or what? How, what, how should that speak to people about getting their affairs in order? Yeah, I think it makes it real. I think it, you know, you see right now um, a good example of what we talk about all the time that you know you never know what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. never know what the future holds, and uh, there's no better example than what has happened with this pandemic. And so, when we say, you know, you need to protect yourself, um, you need to protect your family, you need to protect your assets. Because anything could happen, you know, a lot of times it's hard to point at a, you know, really poignant example, even though we all know anything could happen, right? We're not promised, um, you it, know, tomorrow. Even not in a pandemic. Yeah. I could get in a car wreck. That's right. And, and so there's analogies. There's personal, individual analogies that we could, we could give that everybody could kind of, you know, relate to. But the thing is, is this is something that we're all experiencing. And uh, we can absolutely point time. to that everyone to knows what's going on. Very easily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of seniors, I'm a senior, um, can, we have a little fear because we know we're the ones who are vulnerable. Right. We know it is an, a very uncomfortable, to say the least, disease, even if you do recover. So there's, there's fear not only of death, but of going through yeah. and possibly having lung damage. But, yeah. <clears throat> There are, you can walk across the street and still get killed today or, right. or paralyzed right. or so. It's, it's always ever present. But if it takes the coronavirus to let people know that they need to get their affairs in order, so be it. They need to get their affairs in order anyway. Right. It's like when, you know, my mom keeps telling me I need to clean my room. Yeah. You know, when the guests arrive, it's it's real. Then <laughs> go upstairs right. and clean your room. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I I need to clean my room anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And I need to have my my house in order, essentially. Yeah. And uh, and I think this just puts it front and center and front, smack dab in front of our faces that we do need to have our affairs in order. And there's a number of reasons for that, and we're going to address that. And I'd I'd ask us all just kind of around the table to 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 think about some of the things we're going to talk about today, the financial powers of attorney, the healthcare powers of attorney, the living wills, the wills, the trust, how those relate to this 
coronavirus pandemic that we're going through right now and, and, and how that helps people get their affairs in order and why they need to do it sooner rather than later. So, right. so you know, I've got a slide up right now that's our why or my why. My why, one, it's my six kids and my wife, right? I mean, I love them. Yeah. I work hard for them. We, we work hard for our clients on a regular basis. Um, that's one of the things, you know, and I don't care if any job you do, you'll hear people say things like, oh, it's never a job if you love what you do. I don't care what you do after a while at, 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 at one o'clock in the morning when you've been working hard for five or six days straight, it's a job. Okay. <laughs> and you need to have a why, right? Whether That's it's right. digging ditches or being an elder law attorney. That's right. So, you know, looking at a picture of my beautiful kids and my wife, my beautiful wife helps get me through thinking about my grandfather who really lost everything and spent everything to pay for about 14 years of assisted living care. That was a huge deal. I think that's a big why for me as an elder law attorney and saying, you know, if he would have had someone like me around, we could have, you know, done any number of things like for people, for instance, we can save their house. We can save the majority of their retirement and assets even if they need long-term care. We can help them plan ahead to avoid being in that situation, right? And wouldn't you love to have that farm where you could take your kids sure. and show them where you worked with your grandfather and how you became his best friend and just uh, keeping the family? Well, Absolutely. Kids might want to live there. Yes, yes. And what about you, Brent? What's your why? Yeah, you know, I mean, there, there's a few. I mean, uh, my dad had me when he was 47 years old. He is now 75 years of age. I want to have more kids. I'm, I'm like 45 right now. Yeah. yeah. You, st- you still got you still got a couple to go, man. I do. Six, that's that's weak. You got to pump those numbers so. up. I hope my wife's listening. <laughs> but my dad had me when he's 47 years old. He's now 75. And, you know, I'm in the unique position where as my dad and mom are aging, I can, you know, help them out because guess what? My grandparents didn't have that, you know, ability to, to plan ahead like, well, they did have the ability. They just didn't take the opportunity to because no one told them, right? They didn't have the benefit of having someone in the family who gone to law school or was an elder law attorney. And um, not only them, but their you know, friends and other people that I consider just as close to me as family members and were like grandparents to me um, have suffered in a number of ways, whether it's exploitation um, losing some asset or another, or just having to pay for long-term care, which can be very, very expensive. You know, that put it in perspective for me that something must be done. I don't want to live in a country where you work hard all your life to earn something, and then at the end of your life, you lose it, and you can't leave a legacy for your children or your grandchildren. I don't want that to be the country that I live in, and so I want to make a difference. That's my why. Absolutely, absolutely. Hayden, what's your why? My why. I'm going to show you my why. I was trying to find a photograph of my two children, but it's further on in my camera. These are my grandchildren. Can they show up? Get a little closer there. Oh, yeah. Those are my, and that's several years ago. Beautiful grandchildren. But I mean, everything feeds down from the grandparent to the parent to the child. And I want to make sure there are resources. I've got... One who graduated from ECU, I've got one who's in the University of Tennessee, and one who's a sophomore in high school. I want to make sure 
hopefully they don't have student loans. I have a son and his wife who have no children, but they have a, uh, a, a, lo- a love to go camping and do outdoor activities. And golf. And I want them to be able to have a good life. And what? Golf. 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 Yes. Golf. <laughs> yes. I know, I know, my I know, kids are I great the, golfers. I know, the, I know your son, and he, he loves to play golf. He's a great golfer. My daughter. So is your daughter. Yes. Yeah. She can kill it. Great golfers. Yeah. But Bart and Laura both took after their dad. Sure. And they're both very athletic. And my grandchildren, all three of them are too. So, but I want, that's what I want for them. And I've, I've, my sister says, you've been trying to die for 20 years, trying to make plans ahead. Right. And when I came to work for you, I found out there was a whole uh, big what threat here. That I didn't know about that. Just could trying have destroyed to protect, my plan. protect things, yeah, and make sure you can help your family. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's important because, hey, let me ask you: if something were to happen, you if you were to have to pay for some type of long long term care, God forbid, and you were to lose, you know, all mm-hmm. the assets that you've worked for mm-hmm. your whole life, would that affect just you? Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to affect your your children, your grandchildren. If I have to go into a long term care facility, um. It might affect my husband, but I don't think so. I think things are pretty separate. I don't know. Well, that's a subject for another day. We can talk about it. But I do know that I have things set up so that uh, my children do receive my assets. If I had not done that, had I not met Greg and I had uh, become disabled in an automobile accident or uh, dementia or whatever, I can be a little wacky sometimes, I wonder. Um, I could have lost all of this that means more than anything to me right. to continue a future for my family sure thank you hayden i well, appreciate that so that's a good way to set the stage okay um so getting right into it one of the reasons that we're so adamant in trying to make sure that people are, have their affairs in order is because we know what may lie ahead for instance what percentage of people over the age of 65 right now are going to need some type of long-term care, in-home assisted living or nursing home care. What percentage? No one can see me, but I'm raising my hand. Yeah, Brenton. <laughs> People walking on, all right, uh, looking online. All right, so 70 percent of individuals over the age of sixty-five will need some type of long-term care in their lives, and I think that number is a bit skewed too. I think that number is going up. Right, our population is aging. Sure. The population of the country is aging. That's just a, a fact, right? So that number is steadily rising, but 70%. What, if you were, you know, told that you were going to be uh, facing a 70% chance of, of wrecking, driving down Cherryville Highway right here outside, which you, you might actually have that percent of chance out there. Um, but if you were told that, would you jump on the road right now? I, I think that maybe I would, go a different direction or choose a different path. That's right. Or maybe hang out for a little bit. I'd make yeah. some plans. I'd make some different plans. Right. Or I'd make plans to avoid that wreck. Right. How about that? Yeah, That's what I would do. You're more likely than not to um, to to need some type of long-term care. If you have a 70% chance, I mean, that means that you're more likely than not. It's not 51%. It's not 60%. It's 70% or, or even more. Sure. And um, given that likelihood, you know, Man, that likelihood, that means that you're more likely than not going to have to pay five, ten, even more, $12,000 a month 
long-term care. That's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that's the reason, just for you. Yeah, so that's the reason why it's such a big deal is because it's so expensive. It's because, you know, it can take what people think is, oh, I've got plenty of money. Mm-hmm. And it can spin that down rather quickly. So we want to avoid that. And we have ways to avoid that. So we're going to jump in the deep end of the pool here, okay? We'll start with foundational planning. People sometimes come in and they want to talk about all the complicated stuff first. Yeah. But they miss the foundational planning. And the foundational planning can mean the difference between losing your assets or being able to protect your assets. And here's why. What's a general durable power of attorney? Yeah, so a general durable power of attorney is when you name someone to act on your behalf as if they were you, all right, for legal and financial purposes. And a general durable power of attorney is what we would say would be the first foundational document, and you should have that in your estate planning arsenal, right? That's the first thing we should get. On the, you know, I've also heard it called a financial power of attorney. Financial power of attorney. Street name. That's the street name, yeah. <laughs> so that's an easy way to think about what it does is it just appoints an agent to manage your financial affairs if you're unable to manage them. So why is that important? Hayden, why do, why do you think that's important that you have someone else, if you're incompetent or incapacitated because of illness or injury, that someone else has access to financials? Well, your bills don't stop. Your mortgage doesn't stop. Right. Um, your in- insurance on your property, on your car, all these things don't don't stop just because you become incapacitated. So you need someone to be able to right. maintain that home in a uh, and, and make sure that all the arrangements are made to make sure the home is secure. Roof leaks, things like that. Um, Another one we see all the time that I, I deal with all the time, and I know you deal with Greg, is that. You know, if you don't have that general durable power of attorney and um, and you don't have anyone named to act on your behalf and something happens to you, then how are you going to protect assets? Why is it called general? Well, it's general because it covers a general amount of things, right? The general amount of power. So it's more than just finances. It's finances, and that, you know, includes all types of finances, whether it's banking institutions, investments. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Whether it's um you know a safety deposit box whatever real um, estate real estate mm-hmm. is real included estate. in there absolutely and retirement accounts IRAs four hundred one k stocks bonds mm-hmm. annuities checking savings accounts yep and they, all generally they have legal to be managed too yeah what why is it called durable well it's durable because it outlasts incompetency incapacity or, or lapse of time does it have to speak to that in the document it does it does and. You know, there's there's a, a, a new statute out of the Uniform Power of Attorney Act um, that kind of complicates that a little bit. But what you want, okay, because this is a document that is shown to a third party. So what you want is you want it clearly stated in the document so that anyone looking at it, whether it's a bank, whether it's a 401k company, whether it's a real estate agent or attorney, you want it to be clear that it's a durable power of attorney. That even though you're something may happen to you and you're incompetent or incapacitated or otherwise unable to act, that that person can act in your behalf. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So what happens if I become incompetent or incapacitated 
And I don't have a general durable power of attorney in place that's named. For me, I'll tell you how mine are set up. My wife is my primary. And then if if she can't do it because she predeceases me or she is also injured or you know something happens, then my oldest son comes in as a backup. It's important to have backups if you have those people you can trust, right? Mm-hmm. That way this document lasts for the rest of your life. So if I become incompetent or incapacitated, what happens to my real estate? What happens to my IRAs, my 401ks, any accounts that are just in my name, any investment accounts that are just in my name? Can my wife have any access to any of that at all? Well, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, uh, your, <laughs> your spouse can we're act married. in your behalf, right? Yeah. You're one person. Well, um, you know, what's I always ask people, what's an individual retirement account, right? That's an IRA, right? It's an individual account. It should be a no-brainer. It's individual. It's in the name. It's not a That's joint right. account. Even if you're beneficiary. It's not individual and your wife or your husband. Even if you're named beneficiary, it doesn't mean that you can, you can access that account. And so, um, that's a great example. If it's an, if it's an asset just in your name, that's also an individual asset and real property, real property. It can be in both spouses names, but I mean, they both have to sign a deed to transfer or otherwise protect that property. So what if we wanted to put a ladybird deed on the property or a life estate deed or some kind of protective deed on the property? Could, could we do that? Could my wife do that for me? No, she could not just sign for you without power of attorney or alternatively, she would have to seek guardianship. Yeah, but in guardianship, isn't that a, couldn't, can't that be a long drawn out court proceeding? Absolutely. And we want to prevent against that. You know, I mean, guardianship, that's one of the things that we don't want to see. That's a last resort type of thing. You can prevent the need for guardianship by having a power of attorney in place. But guess what? If you don't have a power of attorney in place, you need to protect the assets. You need to have someone to act in your behalf. Well, you only have one alternative. Otherwise, you're stuck. That alternative is guardianship. You have to seek guardianship. It's a court process where you have your loved one adjudicated incompetent by the court. That means they're effectively stripped of all their rights and someone is appointed to make decisions for them. And guess what, Greg, if, if I were to seek guardianship, my loved one, and they are adjudicated incompetent, and they do need help, they do need my help, is it guaranteed that I would be appointed as their guardian? Not at all. So there's no guarantees. And what if, what if uh, there's a competing family member out there that thinks that I'm not going to do a great job as a guardian for my wife, for instance, so therefore we're in court battling it out with our attorneys as to who should be the guardian. And the courts are very uh, wary when there's conflict within a family to appoint any family member. So in that situation, generally what we see is the court will appoint a third-party guardian, which is not a family member, which is usually an attorney. It's either an attorney or a company company that gets paid to be the guardian. That's right. And the family loses any say-so. How do they get paid? They get paid out of your funds, That's right. out of your money. Yeah. There's one guaranteed way. And, and, and then, you know, what if we wanted to save and protect some of that money for, say, the healthy spouse mm-hmm. or for the family or, or, or something to access a Medicaid benefit to pay for long-term care? There's no guarantee the court's going to agree with your wish to do that. Yeah, you have to have They might approval. make you spend that money down just on that care or spend that down into the ground. So, so you know, really – putting in place a general durable power of attorney 
and other estate planning documents is taking control. It's you choosing what happens in case something something happens to you. It's not you losing control. It's you actually exercising control. And I'm a big fan of planning ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, general durable power of attorney, probably the most important document you could have. And, you know, that that surprises a lot of people because they think the will is probably the most important That's what I get the most. You do wills. You do wills. That's right. Larry the cable guy. Yeah. Yes, we do. However, let's talk about what documents control things during your life because the will only has power if you pass away. That's right. Only if you pass away. So, Hayden, you look like you want to ask me a question. Uh, I wanted to ask you one briefly. If you have two attorneys, in fact, can they act independently? Two agents. Mm-hmm. So if I had, let's say I had two children. How does that work? Two children do? that I dearly love that I know are going to do a great job for me with financials, and they trust each other and they get along. I might want to appoint them both jointly but with independent authority to act legally that's called joint and several okay so jointly and severally they they can act together or separately because one of them might be closer to the bank that day or have the day off otherwise they have to be there and know what each other's doing which in certain families with multiple children acting as the agents for mom or dad or both that might be necessary you might want all of them to have to agree and for them to know they're not taking advantage of the money or anything else, right? So they have to all sign off. So those are what you're getting at is really that it's all on a case-by-case basis. These are very complicated documents that shouldn't be taken or drafted lightly and that are drafted individually for that person So and for that family's and that person's situation. So thank you, Hayden. Yeah, you know, and I just kind of follow that up with a, a general question because I, I feel like I get this question around in a roundabout way. Um, but I'll phrase it like this. How important is it to have tailor-made documents? Well, it's extremely important to have tailor-made documents that you have the opportunity to contemplate your wishes and seek the advice of a professional, an attorney, an elder law attorney, an estate planning attorney. Right. I mean, when I want my car fixed, you know, when I when I want my transmission or my clutch replaced, mm-hmm. I replaced the clutch about a year ago in my Camaro. I didn't do it in the backyard. I might could have, but it would have taken a long time, and there would have probably been some rat parts rattling around. <laughs> you, you know, you see those things like when those movies or whatever else at the end when the the guy finishes putting something back together. He's got these extra parts, and he's not sure where they came from or where they go. That'd be me, you know. And so now I go to the person who knows how to do it and have him replace my clutch. But I see some do-it-yourselfers out there, and we do. We see people in tough situations because they try to do it themselves a lot of times. It's just right. in general. Yeah, it doesn't always address all the issues it needs to. Specific agree. issues. I agree because you don't know what you don't know. You know, that's my favorite saying. And you uh, provide something with the will to take care of some of those things. Sure. We can talk about that. (laughs) So a healthcare power of attorney, we're going to move on. The general durable power of attorney, extremely important foundational document. A healthcare power of attorney is totally separate. A healthcare power of attorney, I bet you can't guess 
what a healthcare power of attorney <laughs> does. What does it do? Yeah. So they act on your behalf, or it allows you to name someone, an agent, to act on your behalf as if they were you for healthcare purposes. Okay. So they can make decisions with regard to procedures, even experimental procedures, if you want them, right? If you want them to be able to, this is all within the scope of what you want. So procedures, medication, pain management, access to medical records because it's HIPAA uh, compliant, sure, sure. right? Federal law. I mean, you HIPAA need compliant. to have that the HIPAA section put in there, the HIPAA compliance section. Why might I want to access? Why why would I want my agent to have access to my medical records? Well, for a few reasons, because I mean, ostensibly, it's useful, right? <clears throat> um, and so, what what if they're trying to get you, you know, qualified for some type of long term care benefit because you need long term care, right? So um, in in that way, Medicaid, you know, you got to prove to Medicaid that you have a need. You have to prove to the facility that you have a need, or if it's in home care, you have to prove to them that you have a need. I might want to get a second opinion. Yeah, I might want to take care of the medical records somewhere else to have someone else review them. I might want to check uh, the costs that are being billed by the medical records. I don't right. know. There might be a malpractice situation, right? Where where we need to get those documents to a lawyer. There's a number of different reasons why you might want. To give your healthcare agent access to medical records, and you need to contemplate that when drafting a healthcare power of attorney. And I see people, oh, I've got a healthcare power of attorney, like somebody gave it to me, right, or something, right. And and it just is very inadequate. You know, most of the time with power of attorney relationships, that agency ends when you die, so they cease to have any power. Can't access bank accounts. Can't make healthcare decisions for someone who's passed away. However, the healthcare power of attorney actually does give you decision-making power over someone after they pass away. And that decision-making power is in the healthcare power of attorney. You can appoint someone that can dispose of your remains, mm-hmm. right? And, and so cremation, mm-hmm. burial, those things. And you can direct that and you can limit that power to say, you know, I, I must be cremated, right? Or, or I only want burial, no cremation. Um, that, that agency power is written into the healthcare power of attorney and funeral directors have to have that agent, that healthcare power of attorney. I've had him call me up before. Hey, Greg, you know, and ask me, you know, Hey, this, it's got to have this in there, right? Because it's the law for funeral directors that if someone's going to be cremated, unless it's the next of kin, if it's somebody other than the next of kin, right? Like, let's say I pass away and my wife and I pass away and my kids live out of state and maybe they aren't coming in. There's a number of, I've seen these situations and the person that was appointed the healthcare agent does not have it written in the healthcare power of attorney that they can perform cremation or burial or those things. Then that person's essentially stuck until they can get the healthcare. I'm sorry, the next of kin in town to to handle that. Right. Um, so if I want to appoint a healthcare agent to handle my affairs during my life, I might want to appoint them to 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 handle burial and other things as well. And a lot of times that's the same person you would want to do that. Or they can choose to have an autopsy. They can request autopsies. I would hate to think that you're in a situation where you need an autopsy, but you know you might want to give someone the ability to perform that duty. And yeah. That's the healthcare agent. So, and we could go deeper down this rabbit hole into. Mm-hmm. Uh, mental health decisions. And I think really with a world where Alzheimer's and dementia is more and more 
right being seen as as something that has to do with mental health and 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 the mind and those things right uh, you know mental health is really under a separate statute than regular than the health care power of attorney right. 122c in North Carolina so so we want to also expand that health care power of attorney to handle all medication and, and mental health issues as well so my so my health care agent has the ability the person I appoint has the ability to manage everything for me and the reason I go a little deeper down in that rabbit hole is because I want you to understand that these documents are not boilerplate. I printed them off the internet or I got one from the hospital type of documents. Okay. They need to be given more thought than that. I mean, I'm surprised that hospitals haven't gotten sued to death because of things that have happened with healthcare powers of attorneys that they boilerplate give out to everyone. Right. Can a healthcare power of attorney, can the attorney, in fact, override your living will? Well, so so let's talk about that. So that that's a great segue yeah. into a living will. Let's define it. So a living will. A living will is horribly misnamed by some dumb attorney because <laughs> it's not about living. And, and about your will. And it ain't no it's will. It's not a will. Right? <laughs> I mean, it it is a declaration for a desire for a natural death. And it's me stating that, hey, heaven forbid, if I'm terminal, incurable, you know, I've been in a persistent vegetative state, perhaps brain death has occurred. I'm going to say it. Don't ask my wife because she might tell you it already has. (laughs) I'm not talking about that. (laughs) But, you know, I'm in a last end-of-life situation. It's my voice in the room. Nobody can hear me. I can't talk, but they can hear me through this document that says, if I'm in this situation, hey, guys, I'm broccoli here. It's okay to let me go, right? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm past the point of no return. It's okay to let me go. I have, I have six beautiful children, four beautiful daughters. They're sweet as pie. Most of them are. Anyway, most <laughs> of the time. On any given day. On any given day. And I don't know that I want to lay that guilt-ridden decision to pull the plug on dad on their shoulders. So it's a practical document, and it's a legal document that waives liability to my healthcare agent and to the hospital, the doctors, for complying with my wishes if I'm ever in that last-ditch situation, which I hope I never am, but I could be. So that's what a declaration for a desire for a natural death is. That's what a living will is. Britton, can you expand on that in any way? Or do you- yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think practically it's important as well because, you know, it's a it's a, it's a brutal thought to think of. But, hey, you know, if you're on life support, you're sitting there for a while, um, man, you can rack up a lot of debt doing that and a lot of medical debt, a lot of medical bills. Um, and so the longer it's – a, it's a tough decision to make to let someone go in that state. So um, it takes a while to make that decision. The longer you take to make that decision – the longer you're you know, racking up hospital bills, right? And uh, if those are unreimbursed medical expenses, they can be applied to your estate and deplete your estate potentially or be inherited by your spouse. So what about Hayden's question, which is, um, should my healthcare agent that I appoint in my healthcare power of attorney be able to override my living will? Yeah, you know, and I mean. And how do we handle that? That's a that's a that's a personal choice, but 
you want your documents to speak to each other. And that's what we try to do. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. for, well, we don't try. We do that for our clients. We, and, and we generally, you know, allow a provision in the healthcare power of attorney that says, hey, you know, if, um, you know, my, I trust my healthcare agent. There's a reason why I'm naming them. And so um, I'm going to pick this person to, to make important decisions for me. And if they determine that, hey, you know, let's wait a couple of days before we, you know, turn off the life support, um, then they have the ability to do so. Well, what Absolutely. About, yeah. What about not just a life-ending situation where you're brain dead? What if the you are going to be not necessarily in a vegetative state, but able to do nothing but just lie there for the rest of your life? I mean, can you uh, can the healthcare power attorney or um, living will stipulate that you don't want to be that left that way? I mean, is is that well, I th- you know? I think we're getting into some. I think yeah. that's a different situation. We can take that up right. with people as they if they they can yeah. ask you and you can look at their situation. Yeah, because you kind but, of what I what I sense you're asking me is if I'm totally aware and competent. No, maybe not. Maybe not competent. <laughs> this we're getting yeah. in the weeds. We don't need to do that. Yeah, that's I think, a, that's I think, a very very. I think those medical question. medical questions as to brain activity and, and competence and and whether you're in a persistent vegetative state mm-hmm. and you're chances of coming out of that you know mm-hmm. but that's, none of neither of these are going to affect the fact that you might be put on a ventilator if you get the coronavirus right because you no, would be no. certainly capable at that time so. no no i mean you know if whatever treatment is necessary that's that's a totally different yeah living question. will does not prevent treatment yeah no no Absolutely a living not. will would, would not prevent any treatment right exactly exactly and in, in fact you know we're in a the world we live in right now, it would be very important to have in place your health care power of attorney, general durable power of attorney, in case you were, heaven forbid, in that horrible situation, right? Um, so that you have those agents appointed to manage your stuff. So I'm going to take a quick break and talk about just what we're doing here. We're giving a seminar. We're getting ready to get into the last will and testament, which is the fourth and final foundational document we'll talk about. So I'm Greg McIntyre with McIntyre Elder Law. I'm here with Britton Begley, another elder law attorney here with us. I'm an elder law attorney. We have Hayden Soloway, who has worked with us for years, and we do a number of special events together, and I appreciate her very much for being here today. And I appreciate everyone for listening. And because you've listened today, because you're there, because you're learning with us, we are offering a free consult. We will either see you in our office with an attorney or we will do a video consult or we will do a phone consult. Any of those methods, we do those all the time. Before this pandemic, we were doing video and phone consults as well. Every every calendar event on our calendar has the option for a video or phone consult. So we're very, very used to doing that. We are still working in full force during this pandemic. And as a Community service, as our civic duty, we are waiving our consultation fees and we are doing free consults for the public in the areas where we practice, okay, which is from Charlotte to Asheville, okay, in the Western North Carolina area. So if you would like to schedule your free consult, 
Call 704-749-9244. Not only will we waive our consult fee, but also we will give you a free copy of Saving the Farm, a practical guide to the legal maze of of aging in America. I worked on the Saving the Farm book for over two years, about two and a half years from researching, writing, and editing. And it is a comprehensive guide to estate planning, long-term care, some of the things we're talking about today, and much, much more. So I'll give you a free copy of Saving the Farm as well. So call 704-749-9244. If you schedule that free consult today, we'll go ahead and give you that free ebook copy and, or, or audiobook copy of Saving the Farm, a practical guide to the legal maze, maze of aging in America. Okay? So, back to it. Last will and testament. Britain, what's a last will and testament? Yeah, so um, we're all probably pretty familiar with what the last will and testament is. It's a document that directs what happens to your assets when you pass away. Not only does it direct what happens to your assets when you pass away, but it also names the person who is going to make sure your assets go to the people they're supposed to go to. So that person is your executor. And just like your power of attorney documents, you want to name a trusted individual as your executor to make sure your wishes are carried out. And the other thing is that you might want to have a backup, right? Because anytime that you have someone that you name, you never know what's going to happen in the future. So you want to have a backup there so that you ensure you have someone trusted in place after you've passed away to make sure you can carry your wishes out. Now, the will is a great document, and I, I personally have sentimental ties to the will because I'm a fan of history, and the will has a deep history. Its roots um, come from Greek and Roman history. It's been around for a long time, and I think it's a very important thing to be able to leave a legacy, and the will throughout history is the instrument by which we've be, been able to do that. Centuries and centuries, right? But you know, I'd ask you, Greg, is the will the most efficient document to pass assets? That's a good question. I it think. depends on the, the estate size. It depends on their goals. And those are the things we want to flush out. So a will can be a very dangerous place to pass property for a lot of people. And the reason it can be dangerous is because I know 70% of seniors are going to need some type of long-term care, yeah. which if they need that long-term care could wind them up in a nursing home or assisted living facility spending down their assets while they're alive, but perhaps keeping the home. Right. And then that home can be taken and sold to satisfy a Medicaid lien because Medicaid had to come in and pay for long-term care. Right. So what we want to do is try to protect as much money and property as we can for the family, for the individual, for the future, for the kids, for the grandkids, right? For everyone involved, whatever their goals are, we want to help them achieve that. And a will, in the will process, when we probate the will, we have to publish it in the paper, wait 90 days from that first date of publication. And the reason that's called, that's the lien period for liens to come in and attach to the estate. And when we do that, you know, there's a big danger there. You're just kind of waited on waiting on bated breath for liens to attach. There's a proactive duty to notify the Department of Health and Human Services if you're the executor. So you're not going to escape that Medicaid lien. It's not like you're going to get by without them finding out. 
And if you did, they could open it back up and still try to take it from you. So, but there's ways to avoid all that. So why, how can we avoid the will but protect assets? Right, that's a great question. I think we get that question all the time. You know, What we want to do is we want to avoid that probate process where <laughs> liens can attach to property. There's lots of ways to avoid probate. And if we're talking about the home, especially, there's a, a, a very, very, very good way to avoid probate in North Carolina with respect to the home and protect the home. You know, I, I think, you know, I get the question all the time. You know, what age should I start giving my home away to my children? Should I put my child on my deed, right? Should I give my home away to my daughter, my son? What you can do it, but what, that there's dangers. What are the dangers of that? Yeah, you know, first of all, man, you just gave away your home. <laughs> you don't own your house anymore. <laughs> the, one, the house that you worked hard all your life to earn, you paid down a 30-year mortgage, or maybe it was inherited, whatever, you just gave it away. I have, I have taken calls from people crying. One sticks out in my mind in particular, crying, sobbing, mm -hmm. because daughter just kicked her out of the house. Man, I've had those too. You know, or, or, or can't sell the house, or you know, can't, can't downsize, can't just you know, do what you want with your own home. And it's a tough situation. But I just it, don't think that that's the strategy. I don't think so either. I don't think that's a, a strategy at all. I mean, of course, I can give away everything I own. I could do that right now. Yeah. But then I wouldn't own it. That's right. And, you know, in fact, it's a bad strategy because if you give away everything you own, you're making a gift. And, you know, if you were to need to qualify for some type of long-term care benefit, then what you've done is you've triggered a look-back period. And we probably heard about this look-back period, this three- to five-year look-back period. And we're mainly talking about Medicaid here, but there's also a look-back period for Veterans Aid and Attendance Benefits, and that's a three-year look-back period. So that means that if you give something away within a three- to five-year period, depending on the level of care that you need, man, you've disqualified yourself from receiving that type of benefit, right? A much-needed benefit, and you would have to pay the value of that gift back to a facility before that benefit would pay out. So if you give a home away, home's worth $100,000, guess what? You got a $100,000 bill you have to pay before you can ever get any type of benefit, which is a tough situation to be in. That's a very tough situation to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Could it be undone? I mean, it, it could be, but you have to cure the gift. There's a ton of different ways to do it. We, we, have, we, have, a, a lot, a, we have a lot of strategies. But it's better to do it. If there's, if there's know, something I like to do, it's problem solved. Yeah. Under rule sets. And so we're very good. We have a whole department for Medicaid crisis planning. But if you've gotten to the point where you're in our Medicaid crisis planning department, you've waited too late to plan. That's right. Right? That, that's, that, that's not planning. That's saying, hey, guys, you know, this is the situation we're in. Fix it, please. Yeah. What can we protect? What can we do? This is the situation. Yeah. If, we, if, you, lose if you've messed up, we can fix it. But we would much rather you come in and plan ahead. And because there's tools out there for you to plan ahead. And um, what about the home grade? What tool can we use to protect the home? Avoid probate. Keep the home in your name. I mean, what's the best tool for that? I like Ladybird Deeds for like the home. Thing. That's one way to protect the home. A Ladybird Deed is not even a plan ahead tool. 
It's to protect the home right now tool. It's an immediate protection of a primary residence in any surrounding property up to a property value of $572,000. That's what a ladybird deed is. It can save the home and still allow you to qualify for a Medicaid benefit to pay for long-term care because it's not considered a transfer. It's not considered in the five-year look-back period for long-term care Medicaid, which pays for nursing home care, or the three-year look-back period, which pays for assisted living care. Um, so it's an so immediate... Some- yeah. I'm sorry. No. So someone already in a nursing home might still be able to do this. Absolutely, and we don't talk about that enough. If you're in a nursing home, you have a home, and you're on Medicaid to pay for nursing home care, call us. We need to put a ladybird deed on that house. We used to get questions like, why do I need Medicaid? I have Medicare, and I have because Medicare Because Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care. Mm-hmm. Medicare, which every senior over, you know, every person over 65 has Medicare. It doesn't pay for long-term care. You pay for long-term care out of your pocket. That's who pays for long-term care. Or if you have long-term care insurance, which is a small percentage of the population, then long-term care insurance can chip in and help pay. Otherwise, you pay out of your pocket. A ladybird deed is a great tool to protect the assets. Okay? A life estate deed, a traditional life estate deed, can also be employed as a plan-ahead deed planning method on an infinite number, on any number of properties the farmland in the upper part of the county, the beach house, those. But we need to get those on the properties outside of the five-year look-back period. Um, Otherwise, if you're looking to plan ahead, I would ask you to consider trust. And I'd like to finish up with trust. Trust are misunderstood. Absolutely. But trust are a great way for you to control your your property, your real estate, and your money, and, and, and investments, but also protect your real estate, your money, your investments. And a revocable trust will give you control over the assets, but no protection when it comes to that long-term care situation with Medicaid because the government still deems you to own that asset that's in the revocable trust because you're the trustee and you can revoke it. You're the grantor and trustee. But an irrevocable trust, we'll call that, let's say, a Medicaid Asset Protection Trust. It can protect the assets while placing a trusted person, could be a child, a third party, in charge of the home or money that's in that trust. And you can still live off the dividends from the investments in that trust as the grantor. So an irrevocable trust automatically starts the look back clock ticking on any benefit you would apply for like assisted living or nursing home Medicaid. But that's a plan ahead tool. And it leaves a lot of flexibility, especially for the real estate inside that trust, which could be rented, sold, anything could be done with that. And still keep the proceeds, the rents, the more you know, the rents or the proceeds from the sale could be kept inside a, an account, inside that trust, inside that snow globe environment of the trust. Is how I like to think about it. That's a good way to put it. Brenton has written what's called what we call a convertible trust. 
a convertible trust. And what we've done is we basically bridge the gap between an, a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust. That's right. We bridge that gap with a convertible trust. And we've not only offered control with the revocable trust, but we've offered protection of the irrevocable trust. Britton, can you tell us in a couple of minutes what a convertible trust is and how our listeners and our clients can benefit from them? Absolutely. You know, so we want our clients to have the most control possible, especially over their own assets. So what we want them to do is start out with a revocable trust where they have total control. And the benefit of that trust is that they do have total control and all of their assets will pass outside that probate process if they were to pass away. So they can, you know, control exactly what happens to those assets. They pass immediately to the beneficiaries, um, avoid probate and go how uh, the terms of the trust are set up, right? So if you want to hold it in the trust for a number of years um, to pay for your, your, your grandchildren's education, something like that, you can do that. Um, so that's the revocable trust part. But as you said, Greg, the, the revocable trust doesn't protect the assets for that long-term care you know, purpose. So what we want to do is give our clients the opportunity to have both control and protection in the future when they need it. So what the convertible trust does is give you, gives you the option at any time to pull the trigger and make the trust irrevocable if you think it's time to do so because you may have some long-term care need in the immediate future or if, God forbid, something were to happen to you where you get diagnosed with a debilitating disease, maybe it's dementia, maybe it is some type of um, you know, placement in a facility, a long-term care or convalescence facility for a year or more in an indefinite amount of time, then that trust will become irrevocable automatically at that point to protect your assets and to ensure that whatever you put in that trust, those assets that you've worked hard all your life for, become under that protective snow globe type of environment that we're talking about here with the trust. I think that's amazing. Uh, made a number of recommendations to clients for the convertible trust. Our clients love it because it gives them the best of both worlds. That's right. So if we're willing to plan ahead, a convertible trust can really help us do that. Brenton, I've been listening today. I'm a listener. I'm at home. Hayden has a question. I, I wanted you just to yes. work me in. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. There are some questions that we're not going to have time to get through. I was just watching the, the kind talk. Of, the yeah. kind of questions that people may want to ask individually, like, will I still own my home and property if I do the ladybird deed? What control do I have over it? What can and I cannot do with sure. that property? You can and, do anything with that and property. And what if I change my mind? They'll control it. You and, can do anything with that property, and you can change your mind if you have a ladybird deed on your home. Okay. You're still in control of it. All right. That's if, a great thing about if it. If my children are sued and they're the um and I have a lady bird deed deeded to them, if they're sued, can that affect them? No. Mm -mm. Can it, they don't it, own any interest in the property, so okay. can't go If after I'm it. sued and they're on as on the ladybird deed, yes. can that affect me? If if you're sued I, I mean I don't that's a that's a consultation type question, I yeah. think. But it's, well, it's if something you're, that I'm actually if you name about. If you name your children on a ladybird deed and you are sued, your children are not going to be affected. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be personally liable for anything that you would potentially be personally liable for. Hey, I've got to wrap it up in a second here, and we're going to get toward close. We've got a few minutes left. One more and, question. Uh, if someone lives in Manteo 
or Asheville, can you consult with them? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, we, we will not, from Murphy to Manio, all 100 counties in North Carolina, we would be glad to consult with you. And we have. We would be glad to consult with you. There's a number of ways we do that, um, either in-person, video, or telephone consultations, and then we can provide those services anywhere in the state of North Carolina, and we gladly do that. So give us a call, 704-749-9244. Britton, if I've been listening today and – you know, I've heard this, you know, I've heard about foundational planning, trust, deed protection. You know, I might be interested. How can we take advantage of these types of services? What what can we do? Well, a couple of ways um, you can call in and take advantage of the free consultation that we are offering at this time. You know, we also want to give our listeners all the information possible. So we're offering a copy of Saving the Farm. What Saving the Farm is, is a comprehensive guide to aging in America. So we've taken a lot of time and effort, blood, sweat, and tears, and investing a lot of money in that research to build that guide. So we want to offer that, though, for free to our clients today. We usually start to charge about $120, um, or I'm sorry, $20, not $120. It's probably worth $120. Um, but $20 <laughs> It could be book. worth everything you have. That's right. It could be worth everything you have. And so could a consultation that we usually charge $150 for, but we're waiving that during this pandemic. That is a service that we're providing for our clients at this time. So if you have questions, if you want to talk about any of the things that we talked about today or more, you can sit down with us for an hour by calling in to our office at... 704-749-9244. You can get the free Saving the Farm book. That's uh, a $20 value. Feel free to go to Audible, iTunes, get the audiobook copies, get the ebook copies on Kindle. Go to Amazon, order 100 copies to your house at 20 bucks a piece. Or you can get a free copy from our office <laughs> today by calling 704-749-9244. Um, and we'll waive our $150 general consultation fee that we're offering as a civic duty during this pandemic um, with our office, either in-person video conference or telephone conference to get your affairs in order. It's about time, don't you think? Hey, right. please don't wait till it's too late. Call yeah. McIntyre Elder Law and Milton, how are we doing on time today? Well, we just about have about 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I wanted to thank everybody for listening today. Thank you, Hayden Soloway, for being here today and asking questions and being our audience. Thank you, Brenton, for everything that you do in our office. And uh, thank you, everybody in my family and that know me for putting up with me. So <laughs> besides that, um, it's my mission and it's our mission to help clients, protect clients, and put out great information to the community. Tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel, um, where we'll be on talking about a new and exciting topic relevant to the time and day. And I can't tell you what that is because times they are a changing. That should be the song we play out on, Milton. <laughs> little Bob Dylan. Little Bob Dylan for you. We'll, we'll have to prepare, prepare that one for next That's time. Right. Thank you, Milton. Thanks for engineering for us today. Have a great day, guys.